calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hey, Brent. How are you, buddy? I love the fact that it's called a Toddcast. <laughs> I know, right? When I was doing radio in Vancouver, I was the, the afternoon guy at uh, Seafox for about okay. years. And uh, they let me go about seven years back, six years back. But when I was there, there was so many- Shame people. on them. Pardon me? <laughs> Shame on them. I know, right? No, actually, it's worked out for the better anyway. I, I love doing the podcast. I, I'm one of, I'm an instructor now at the BCIT radio program and stuff. So it's actually That's worked awesome. out for the better. Uh, I've got little kids and stuff, so I'm able to see them more and stuff. But when I was working there, you know, all, all of the people that were there like, dude, you should start a podcast and call it yeah. the, the Toddcast podcast. I love that. So yeah, I know it's like, it's like a, the built-in, uh, the built-in, uh, you know, name. But yeah, this, is, this is great, man. I, I have talked to you before. I've talked to you. Uh, When's the last time we spoke? Uh, dude, it's been a while, man. It's been, you know, like certainly when, uh, when I was at Fox, I think it was probably for either the afternoon show or a show I did called The Rock Report. Does that ring a bell? Are you based in Vancouver? Based in Vancouver, yeah. Awesome. It's interesting, man. The other day, for whatever reason, I did not actually understand where the term podcast came from um obviously i i i'm very very busy so sometimes i don't get a chance to listen to podcasts all the time but i find them very interesting and zach actually told me he said well adam curry who used to be a you know a vj for mtv he's really considered the grandfather or the godfather of podcasting but the where the podcast comes is the iPod because right. like he and I never knew that I was like why is it called a podcast and then that, that was like because it, it started on an iPod exactly yeah and it was originally just intended as quick little bite-sized pieces of content like a 10 right. you know quick little whatever and now it's just exploded of course right 100%. I mean, you find more um, interaction, obviously, when there's video attached to it, because you can see expression and you can kind of gauge. Sometimes when you listen to audio, man, you can't necessarily, um, the, the temperature of the emotional part of that interview can sometimes be lost. So, you know, Joe Rogan, obviously, is one of those people where 
you know, but there's all of these podcasts now. It's very, very interesting. Like the, there's some that are done really, really well and oh, yeah. some that are kind of, uh, they're kind of trying to get their footing, but I love the free form of it. So when you can see the visual aspect, I, th I think that it engages people a bit more. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's why when I uh, had talked to the, the, the people at your label, you know, originally they had said, Hey, is there a chance for you to, you know, quickly do a, an interview with these guys, their albums came out and I was like, yeah, of course, fuck. I love, you know, I, I love shine down and I love the project you're doing Smith and Myers. So I was like, yeah, you know, of course, of course I will. And I was like, is there any chance that they would do a zoom? Cause you know, I have a YouTube page and, and whatever, but uh, yeah, it, it just seems that more and more people are, uh, Hey Zach. Uh, How are you? Good, man. Thank you for uh, joining us. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, but it seems more and more people are, are really kind of, that's their way. Not that radio is dying. It's not going to ever, it's never at that, you know, I'm not a, a former, you know, radio employee that's jaded and that's why I'm doing a podcast. I, I, I think that there's room for both, but now more than ever, people have that chance, just like your music, you know, you don't need to listen to it right away. It's, you can consume it whenever you want to. And that's, I think yeah. that's the, the appeal of a podcast is that, it's just that you can listen whenever you want to. And you're also like, like, say if you like a, a radio DJ, you know, I was yeah. on between three and seven for 12 years at CFOX. But if you didn't listen between three and seven, you never heard me. Right. Yeah. Now you can hear you anytime. Anytime. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a way stronger form of communication, you know? And of course, I, I think radio station, they, they gave me this built in audience, much like what you guys have. There's a direct correlation. I was thinking about that as, as I'm kind of getting ready for this, this talk, you guys have a built in audience with Smith and Myers, of course, through Shinedown, where I had the same thing. I had a built in audience for the Toddcast by being 15 years at Fox. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I think I think that more than anything, if you're coming into the world of Smith and Myers, um, thinking that it's basically going to be a carbon copy or an acoustic shinedown record, um, that's not what you're going to find. Because if we want to do a shinedown acoustic record, that's what we would have done. Um, right. These are, as Zach puts it, you know, this is really our debut. And this is also, um, we look at ourselves as new artists. Um, two of our biggest fans, though, are Barry Kirch and Eric Bass. When we said we were going to do this, they were all on board with it because they also knew that it wasn't going to be just a copy of Shinedown. This really is a different style. There's a different format to this. Um, and for us, it's about doing something that we felt was important and not only you know, taking these covers and reimagining them and not doing a carbon copy of them. And then also for the very first time, you know, recording and writing 10 original songs for the first time with this project. So obviously people that know Shinedown will kind of gravitate towards this, but we're finding out with this particular project that there's people that don't necessarily know who Shinedown is that are into right. this. And it's kind of, you know, it works both ways. And what did you take from Shinedown and like kind of the, the, the stuff you know that kind of works and transfer it over to, to Smith and Myers? Zach, I mean, just, just the songwriting, really. I mean, you know, we've always been writers. So I think when it came to Smith and Myers, you know, you're going to make your first album as a, as a new group, you know, as far as, you know, we've done covers before, but this is the first time we're writing a record. So it kind of, you know, what a freeing place to be to make your first album. You know, again, you get to make another first album for the first time with Shine Now. We made our first album 20 years ago, you know? So it's like to be able to do that, 
it's something very freeing. You know, there's no, there's no boundaries or parameters to what you can do. So uh, what was, as far as what we took from shine now, just, I think our writing, you know, we're obviously two members of a, of a popular rock band and that's, you know, when you want to go do this, you don't want it to sound like your band. I think, you know, if we would have went and if Brent and I would have started another rock band, I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I think when, to me, like you're not getting something from the band that you're like, I think when, when people make side projects in, in the same genre, I don't know. It doesn't bother me, but I mean, I, I would never personally do that. Like, you know, I, I get everything I need being in a rock band out of Shinedown. Like, I don't need to, like, go make another rock and roll band. Like, I don't, that's not something that I would ever need to do. I would, it would actually probably make me unhappy. So when it come to this, it was, you know, we get to write as a duo and, and with no drums and no bass. How would that sound? So it, it was very freeing. But as far as what we took from it, I just think the experience of writing, you know, six records in the past, and we know that, uh, you know, there's Peter Gabriel, uh, you did the Billie Eilish cover. What were some of the um, cover songs that you were tossing around the idea of doing that didn't make it to tape? All Too Well uh, by Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Riv- River by um, Leon Bridges. Uh, Life by the Drop by Stevie Ray Vaughan. There was a couple that didn't, that didn't Life make by the, the cut. Drop. Yeah. Come it's on. a profound song, man. Wow. Yeah. I think here's the side of this too. Like going into this, there were absolutely no rules. It's kind of the same thing too with Shine Down. Like when we walk in, we're nine songs in to Shine Down Seven right now. We're in the midst of writing for that record, which will be coming out next year. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we don't make the same Shine Down record over and over again either. Like, and that's on purpose. Like we evolve. We also try to not write the same song over and over again. We're one of the only bands that I know of um, in modern culture in this day and age where we, once again, radio, we've been on multiple formats over the years. We're not just on mainstream rock. We're on alternative. We've been on Top 40 before. We've been on AAA, Hot AC. So with this element going in and it being a double album uh there were no rules whatsoever and like zach was saying a moment ago too these songs that are covers of other people um really the idea was don't make a carbon copy of it like take it and do something different with it obviously you have songs like unchained melody where we're kind of sticking to what the the core of that song is but it's me and zach doing it but you know we did better now by post malone which is like a rap song people oh, are nice. like, what is this gonna sound like that's you know? great you know, but we also did, you know, REM's Losing My Religion. We did, you know, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Like Oasis. you were saying, Sledgehammer, Billie Eilish with um, uh, with Bad, Bad Guy. Guy. Also, we took Rebel Yell, man, and turned it on its head by nice. Billie Eilish. You know what I mean? So it's no rules, man. None. That's pretty badass. What, what are the chances of Zach grabbing a guitar and doing a little something? Right this impossible. Second? I wonder if that would translate. It would impossible. You think it would? Be <laughs> it would hard? be very glitchy. It, yeah. Yeah, Not because hard. yeah, because like it's the delay to Brent. You know, if we were in the same room, we could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, pick up the guitar and do like background music if you want. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, Zach, we're done should, talking to you, bud. Could you just grab a guitar? I should grab like an upright. Just like Yeah. Totally random. I I started doing a podcast with uh, Hoogie. Uh, yeah. And uh, Brent Donnelly and all that were, were collectively 
grabbing, uh, you know, people in the industry that have really cool stories to share. Uh, and there's like maybe three or four podcasts gathered as one interviewing. Um, you know, we, we did uh, Fieldy from Corn. Uh, oh, wow. Ago. And that was pretty cool. So it randomly popped in my head. Of course, uh, Hoogie, for people <laughs> who don't know who Hoogie is, he's a guitar tech for, uh, for Shinedown. He is yeah, Eric Bass, which Eric Bass is not just the bass player in Shinedown. Oh, people should know that Hoogie's job is extremely freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, right. Yeah, because he is dealing with multiple acoustic guitars, multiple basses, piano. You know, this is a guy that sings, you know, 65, 70% of the set with me in harmony. So does Zach. Wow. Um, but yeah, man, Hoogie is the, the definition of an engineer. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a that dude that dude's not a roadie. He, he's guy, a ninja. That guy's, a, that guy's a technician. He's a ninja, yeah. I want to go back uh and kind of get into the early years of you guys. What's sure. the what's the music in the Smith and what's the music in the in the Myers house as a kid growing up? What are your parents playing you? Go ahead, Zach. Um a lot of uh kind of soul stuff. You know, I, when I was growing up, a lot of, um, you know, Sam and Dave, um, Otis Redding was in my house a lot. Um, Billy Joel, my Same. mom liked Billy Joel a lot, James Taylor, um, that kind of stuff. And then, I, you know, my dad was the, the kind of rock and roll side. So my dad was the Led Zeppelin. My dad was the um, Steve Ray Vaughan. My dad was that kind of stuff. So, um, and but in my mom's car, um, a lot of Otis Redding, a lot of Sam and Dave, a lot of top 40, like, like, oh, you know, 80s top 40, you know. So, you know, Whitney Houston, you know, Don Henley, the Eagles, you know. So it was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool dynamic to have kind of both sides of it, you know, for me. Brent, yeah, what did you listen it. to growing up? Well, a lot of things, like with Zach, it's one of the reasons why me and him are – connected in a lot of ways we have the same upbringing but for whatever reason i thought about this i'm going to put zach on the spot because i think it's actually it, it's interesting because of the diversity of him as a guitar player and what have you it, it, it i think people would be interested to know like zach tell them how you started playing guitar in the first place because it's I interesting got a, he laughs. i got a guitar i got it because it's stupid i got a guitar no no, no it, it, it's actually really really interesting I got a guitar for my 12th birthday at the Raleigh skating rink. Um, I put it in my closet for a year. I didn't even know that you were supposed to put your left hand on the guitar when I got it. So I am um, around my 13th birthday. So about a year later, I was at home. I was watching, um, I believe it was a Bush video maybe. And um, I, it was like a live thing. And I picked up the guitar that was probably in seven different tunings. And um, I was watching their hands and I just kind of started copying their hands. And I think, I don't know, I don't remember what song it was. It was either Come Down or Machine Head or something. And Yeah, it probably sounded nothing like that. But it, it, that spot, I was like, oh, I can do this. It's the rhythm. Then, you're, you're, you're copying the rhythm. And, and that was it. And then uh, 11 months later, I, I got my first record deal with MCA Nashville. <laughs> The, Coles but it, the reason I bring it up and for him to tell the story is that, you know, I don't think that you pick the music. I think the music picks you, if yeah. that makes sense. So yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a virtuoso and you've been playing since you were born 
or you know that's it it shows the power of music and why it's so important and 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 really why it saves people's lives because it's it's the one expression that we have that's ever evolving especially songs a song can mean something to you um one one year and then a couple years down the line you know you hear it again and it can hit at the right exact time but it means something different to you and the styles change and it's not about you know like rock and roll that's a way of life it's not necessarily a genre of music you know and i think that's why music is so important you know and you have a story like zach's where it's like the music picked him yeah man and 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 i totally agree with you about the the music heals and and uh like music does something to your soul. Like you can go to a, like a, go to an old folks home, somebody that has dementia, but yet they can sing a song from when they were 12 years old, clear as day. Can't remember their daughter's name, but somehow they can sing the soundtrack of X, Y movie. I think that's because, a different part of your brain, man. I think that's a, yeah. a different thing. You know, and you're, that, that's your heart. You know, when you hear music, you know, that's something that's, you know, I think that there's, you know, when you hear music, like it'll give you a different emotion than anything else in life. I think there's a different neural receptor in there that kind of, you know, never goes away once something's embedded in there. You know, it's like why it's the same reason I get the same feeling I got the first time I heard the Stairway to Heaven solo. I still get, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's those things, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, like we, you know, Brent always says, like, you know, music is kind of the key to the world, man. It can heal, it can heal people. It can heal people's lives. And, you know, to us, that's very important. I think that just works on a different, I don't know. There's some sort of different neural receptor in there that I think creates where music comes from. And it's, it, I think it's its own corner of the brain. It also builds off of vibration. I can't wait for some, I can't wait for some scientist on Twitter to be like, no, it's not. (laughs) At uh, 20 minutes into this interview, he said, (laughs) um yeah what was your first concert brent mine uh the beach boys um at thompson bowling arena i was six years old wow that had to be a mind blower i didn't even know what was going on like i mean (laughs) i i remember i remember this was like kokomo so stamos this yeah, yeah. We, we, who, who I found out later on on that tour at that time was on that tour was playing bongos. And yeah, he was playing percussion. There. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, but um, yeah, man, not a bad first show. That's pretty good first Zach, show. Zach, what yeah. was yours? My first show was Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, and the Damn Yankees at Mud Island Amphitheater. Well, wow. you win. Uh, another uh, pretty impressive show, show my my second show was new kids on the block wow you win again yeah i don't know about that i actually <laughs> still have i actually still have the hanging tough new kids on the block <laughs> tour jacket 1989 <laughs> and then i saw no, the no. bangles i saw the bangles too when i was like six or seven what about you todd what was your first uh my first concert was uh dr hook really the cover of the Rolling Stone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, probably like seven or eight years old. It was up in uh, northern BC in a place called Kitimat. Do you remember it vividly? I don't remember it vividly. The things I remember are like, I mean, I remember, I guess, seeing the show, but like the things I remember is like just the excitement because it was a band that my parents always played. I just remember mm-hmm. the excitement of getting in the car and like, you know, the energy of like walking up and all these people are walking to the arena 
uh, you know, everybody's excited. I remember that like in the popcorn and just the smells of being in the arena. And yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I do remember the show, but not super vividly, you know, uh, I think I'm surprised the- it wasn't a Canadian band that you saw first, especially in those days. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I figured it would yeah, be a Canadian you, would, band. You, you would think it would be something like a trooper or, uh, trooper dude like yeah. chillawack or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but, tragically uh, hip <laughs> tragically hip. hip there you go that's canada's house band what a what a God tragedy that's a soul man yeah what a what man a, what a great what a great documentary though that is man amazing that, that, right that like, shit is inspiring man yeah it totally is i mean when you when you lose somebody like that from your like we lost gord downey from not culture but for a lack of better words when you lose somebody like that it's like really hard to to digest and and what's crazy man about that is is think about what they here's the thing when people die right everyone feels some sort of loss and this i was thinking about this actually last week because i watched that documentary again unless a president dies here that was like beloved that sense of like when he died that like hit the entire country of canada right like it was like oh yeah that doesn't happen in a in a singular country like that was such a you know it's so weird and hard to explain but like it was like the country of canada's loss right like i remember all my like for on instagram on facebook like all my friends from canada was like it was like the saddest day in canadian history like it completely insane like that doesn't happen in america like unless like a, a very beloved president dies or something but like when prince died yeah everyone felt it but it didn't feel like a country's loss you know what i mean like it i i just remember feeling like like wow this country how cool this is you know it's sad that he died but like the whole country mourned this person you know that oh, oh, meant yeah. so much and then on the anniversary of his death day you know throughout tragically hip I maybe mean, just came up uh maybe a week and a half two weeks back that's um, insane man you know, it's so it, it was such a it was so cool to see the country just kind of like you know all kind of like mourn together man like that was I, th- I felt that was very endearing to me yeah yeah i i mean obviously i don't live in the state so i don't I mean what was it like when you know glenn fry like here's i mean if, if you want to talk cultural musical icons the eagles I mean, one of the biggest bands we, ever and what what was that like when when he passed we were in la i don't know if we were writing or doing something but i remember being in la and it felt weird to be in california but what but but to go back to what we we're saying it the country didn't mourn it you know what i mean it was like it, i think right. that's kind of like one of those things is like that's why the gourd thing was so neat not neat you, know, you don't want to say that about anybody dying but it's like it was just it was very awe-inspiring to see the country just kind of mourn the loss t- together. And it was like, everyone was joyful though. You know, it was like remembering this character, but with Glenn Fry for me, like that was a big deal, man. I'm, I'm a diehard Eagles fan and a, a diehard Glenn Fry fan. Like I loved Don Henley. Like I remember, you know, when I was born, you know, the Eagles didn't do anything in the eighties. So for me, like, you know, I got to see Don Henley solo. I think, I think I've seen Don other than Garth Brooks. I think I've seen Don Henley solo from like 1983 to 1994, like more than I'd ever seen any artist. Wow. There's another dynamic to this though, too, which is, and it once again proves the point about music and songs 
and people and why it's all intertwined and why we're all connected. Even when someone that is a musician, songwriter, who is beloved, um, even when they do pass away, they're not really gone because right, all you got to do is put their records on. Yeah. And they're right there with you. You know, it's a little different when you talk about maybe actors or you talk about certain creative types or sports or what have you. And, um, and, and the reason I bring that up is, is not taking anything away from someone's life and legacy. But musicians have a tendency because they mean so much to people because they wrote songs that are like the soundtrack to people's lives that when they do pass, it can it can be this this feeling of of sadness, but it's also joy too because you can still go hang, just put the records on. They're not really gone. Right. Yeah. Well said. We have a ton of downtime, obviously, with with COVID. What are you guys? We ain't got on? no downtime. Yeah, right. You're like <laughs> yeah. downtime. What are you, we're not, bro? Bro, <laughs> we're we're pushing a record here. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. We, um, we We've been working since Not just one record, two records. Working right. on another one. Like, there's you, no doubt yeah, that. Do you yeah. have time to, to, to binge watch things? Like, Yeah. I, watch I don't. Them. <laughs> yeah, he does. He just does it on his phone, so it doesn't feel like he's actually watching anything. This right. dude watches more stuff and tells me about more stuff that he's watched than anybody. My favorite intro musically to anything, Zach will tell you this, it'll be really, really quiet. And all of a sudden, you'll hear it. Da -dum. Yeah, you'll hear the Netflix thing. But it's like three in the morning. It's like three in the morning on the bus while everyone's asleep, and he doesn't have headphones on. Yeah. It's just literally, da -dum. and then like some car chase scene, people shooting each other and shit. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, like, that's just what he does. But like, I, so I, I, watched, um, I watched the Comedy Store documentary um, in the last two days. It's four episodes. Holy shit! Amazing. I know it's a podcast, so I can say shit, right? That's fine. Yeah. Um, it was, it was truly amazing. And then um, I watched. Um, I got one more episode, but I watched the Kevin Hart um little mini doc on Netflix too. That was is is really good, man. Like, you know, to see that guy, how hard of a worker that dude is, man. Like, I know, like up at three in the amazing. morning to work out and shit, like. Wow. It's crazy, man. Like to watch that, like him and the rock. It's crazy that him and the rock are so close and they have that same work ethic. But like they, to watch that kind of hard documentary, like a great. It's like this guy's like relationship. this dude's like I'm not stopping until I'm a billionaire. He's like, and even then I'm not stopping. You know, he's like, and it's just crazy to see that work ethic, man. Like, it, yeah, it's I, cool I really, to see drive like that, right? Because not everybody has drive and determination and initiative and shit. Like you, and if you don't have it, you can't teach that sh stuff either. No, I mean Brent. Brent's like that. Brent is one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. You know, it's it. I don't know if he's waking up at three o'clock in the morning to work out, but he um usually going to sleep at three o'clock in the morning. Going to sleep at three o'clock in the morning, but no, man, you know, it's it's inspiring to see that. So that's what I, I I've been watching that, and I've been watching uh my I got my wife into Breaking Bad, so we're my fifth time watching Breaking Bad. Uh, her first. Fifth <laughs> time. Oh, that's funny. Um, you guys get into the superhero movies and, and all that? I do. You like Marvel, Brent. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm not just saying this either. I went back, man, and, and watched Black Panther. Holy crap. Like, I mean, just blown away by Because I didn't, I didn't, maybe it didn't register. But, you know, once again, not to, to have this, you know, this conversation go back to the loss of someone, but 
I mean, you know, you don't realize how profound Chadwick was, man. You're just like, holy moly, man. And just the, you talk about just an absolute badass. You know what I mean? Also, like, also in that Kevin Hart documentary, he's in that. Yeah, I mean, they it's just do a movie together. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, those movies have a connection to, like, a lot of those Marvel uh, movies. There's an underlining human thread going on in those films. All of them. Yeah, and they're important. Like, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that Scorsese was like, those aren't movies. I'm like, yeah, they are. They are. Like, there's, they're, they're, yes, they're big budget. Yes, they're special effects. But there is a statement, many statements actually being made, and a lot of life lessons in those, in those movies. Yeah, I think that once um, John Favreau put out Iron Man, it, it, yeah. it, was at, it was at that point, like, you know, if you're going to make a movie, it, it, it needs to make, it, it, if you're going to compete, it needs to be, this is the bar. Yeah. You know, theme-wise, uh, editing-wise, production-wise, just filming in general, yeah. great actors. I mean, it's... You said a really good point right there too. You said a really, really specific word, a very important word that people don't realize. Like being a director, being an actor, getting the scene, cinematography, getting the shot, that's all great. You need all that, but the heroes are the editors. Editing, the people that yeah. are editing those types of things and what have you, because they're telling the story. Right, without good editing. It's... It can look and good, it the... can be shot well, the actor and the actress can be pretty, Right. If you can't tell a story, then it falls flat. You give all this stuff to a, another editor and maybe the movie looks completely different and you're like, well, it's not really as good as I thought it was anymore. Yeah. And that once again, man, music, when music hits in a film at the right time, man, if it was silent, like Zach always talks about, he has a, he has a, you know, is a huge love for uh, the Halloween series and he talks about yeah. that first Halloween movie and how it had no music and, you know, Carpenter was letting some of his friends see it and this and that. And this one female friend that he let watch it, she was basically like, this isn't scary. This is, this is ridiculous. And then when he added the music in, she was like, now it's scary. Yeah. And, and really quite simple music too. It's just like they, that. They, they just, it, it's something that invokes emotion. We go back to talking about music and what it does to your brain, man. But like, you know, one simple piano, you know, and then, it's Very just the chilling. creepiest thing ever. And also yeah. how you add music to a movie that does it. Like, like, listen, the song Mr. Sandman by itself in the car on a sunny day is not a scary song. When I hear Mr. Sandman now, it scares the shit out of me because of that movie. Like, what a creepy song. Like, it just sounds, it, it frightens me now. <laughs> same like thing with, like, Jeepers Creepers. Does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't listen to Robert Johnson in the dark, you know. It's, it's, it freaks me out. It's a scary vibe, you know. Todd, guys, we I got wanna, about two minutes, man, and then we got about a two minutes. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, guys, I want to respect your time. I understand you got ahead. My God, man, it's been so, so cool of you to let us come on your show today, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man, we appreciate it. Guys, thank you, you know, for, for jumping on and, and getting the West Coast of Canada updated. Um, so uh, the Smith & Myers Volume 2 is out now. It's been out for a, a while. One and two. One and two, One and right? two. They're both out. And uh, the new Shinedown is optimistically we're, next year? 2021. Yeah. Next year, for sure. Is that weird, releasing it during a pandemic? Do you feel weird releasing music and not being able to tour fully tour? No, because we're moving on, man. We're, we don't know. 
We don't know. We don't know. You know, we don't have a we don't have a date yet. So I mean, we, we, hopefully we'll be hopefully we'll be on the other side of this thing. Nice, love it. Okay, well, I guess we'll see you boys online. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks, Todd. Respect, Appreciate Todd. it, man. Thank you so much, man. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.